What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. This is our fishing podcast here, and we are stoked about tonight. We're going to go over. I actually just had was going to do another flounder podcast tonight because there's just so much to talk about with flounder. Um, or, or maybe I was even thinking about maybe like a speckled trout, like late summer speckled trout. But uh, a Facebook member uh, messaged me and said, "Hey, do one about you know different types of bait and and how to catch bait and how to rig bait and different styles of what, what and ways to fish the bait." I was like, "Man, that's a really good podcast." We haven't we've talked about bait fishing and stuff, but we haven't really um, re- we haven't really uh, dove into you know just different styles of bait, not necessarily like bait fishing for redfish or bait fishing for flounder. We've done that, but but kind of just a broad look at, at the different bait that is productive to fishers. So I think it'll be a good one. Um, before we start, go check out our Eastern Current Fishing Facebook page where you can you know download and meet other um, listeners and, and kind of build this community that we've got here. Uh, go check out Michael's Instagram, YellowFury18. My personal Instagram, JuddBrockFishing. Uh, you can check out the Eastern Current Instagram page. Um, we're, we're all, the only thing we really don't have is Twitter. You can check us out on YouTube. You can check us out. Anyway, if you are watching the YouTube video, press the thumbs up button that match that thumbs up that helps us out. That helps us get found by other uh, viewers out there. And if you are listening on any podcast platform, please rate us on there. That helps us out a lot as well. Uh, we put in a lot of time and effort to bring y'all good content and uh, that little stuff just helps out so much. But uh, I'm going to bring Mike on here and we're going to get to start start talking about some, uh, some different bait that y'all can fish around here. What's up, man? How much? How are you today? Oh, doing all right. I will go ahead and confess that this is our second time trying to record tonight. <laughs> we got like almost done with it, and then Mike's internet dropped, and when it dropped, it froze my computer, and it was froze for a while, and so then I tried to cut it off, and sometimes it saves it when that happens, sometimes it doesn't. It did not. It was there. The file was there, but it wouldn't open, so maybe there's some way to save it, but I figured it'd be just as easy to just hop back on here and go again, so... You got, this is take two, so you're going to get even more in-depth information, or we're going to think we already <laughs> said it and forget about it, but, um, but yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for hopping on here with me tonight, Michael. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Mike, y'all, y'all will start to see Mike in more and more of these podcasts. We both have flexible evening schedules or schedules that work well together in the evenings, and so we're going to, you know, co- collaborate on a lot of these, these, uh, ideas. We fish very similar styles. Um, <clears throat> we've fished together longer than anyone that I fished with still, um, as far as inshore fishing goes. So we've got a lot of stories. We've got a lot of, um, history. We, we understand how each other work well in the water and then we fish well together. So hopefully that means we'll podcast well together and be able to bring y'all some, some good knowledge, but, um, we're going to go over mostly the different types of bait fish and fish to use for bait here too. But I think we're going to touch a little bit on, uh, blue crabs, mud crabs, fiddler crabs, stuff like that, shrimp, squid, uh, but we're gonna we're we're mainly just we're talking about baits for inshore fish, so flounder, trout, redfish. That's that's what the whole premise of this situation is here. Is like we're not talking about all the baits that you can use to catch any fish. We're what's best in what scenario, like what baits best, how to rig it, and, and what fish it's gonna catch. So um, we'll bring that to you. And I, I think we should start out with redfish kind of go through i know i'm breaking this down differently than than how we did it earlier but i think it'll be a little more productive redfish let's talk about the different baits and ways to rig those baits for redfish this will be a little more organized of a way than my first like just try to tackle the whole thing so mike you started out give me your your top baits that you like to fish for redfish um, and we're talking live baits yeah live bait depends on the time of year so 
let's break it down even farther. I like it. Summertime versus wintertime. Um, summertime, you can't beat a mullet. Yeah. That that's like my go-to, and right behind it is Menhaden. If I can find the right size Menhaden, which we've been talking about fishing big baits, that kind of stuff. If I can find the right size Menhaden where they're in that four, five, six inch range, that's what I'm looking for when it comes to Menhaden. Yeah. Um, I'm not afraid to get some bigger ones, but as far as summer times go, mullet Menhaden are the big ones. Definitely. Then during the winter. Once the trash fish are gone, your pinfish, your lizard fish, all that kind of stuff, little bluefish, I'll start fishing the shrimp. And I do really good on shrimp during the winter. Yeah. So, and, you know, it doesn't have to be anything special, bait shrimp, whatever you can get your hands on um, shrimp-wise. Definitely. So, I don't really experiment too much, which um, we've talked about, like, squid and different things, which I've never really tried. I don't know yeah, I don't know even know why I said squid in the first place because I've never fished yeah. squid for redfish either. I'm sure if redfish swam past a big chunk of squid, it would eat it. Um, oh, yeah. But it, that's more of like a offshore bottom fishing or like, hey, let's go catch some pinfish. Yeah. Um, or, hey, let's go catch some spot and pinfish to use for bait. So maybe that would be a, a, a scenario <laughs> in which it would work. But, um, uh, but I mean, even like to throw in some odd stuff, I have caught clams, especially when it comes to like black drum and stuff, when I'm like kind of fishing that deep water stuff where I can get black drum or red drum. Yeah. Clams. Um, you showed me blue crabs, like how to cut them up, which that's something you can talk about. Yeah. Explain a little bit more. But um, yeah, I mean, that's really the, the three that I stick with, mullet, menhaden, and shrimp. And my mullet, I'm kind of looking in that same size class, four to six inches. So when it comes to summertime. Yeah, definitely. And me and Mike talked a lot about, um, in the previous recording that got deleted, uh, <laughs> about bait size. People are very you know, nervous to throw larger live baits. But I found not only does it catch larger fish usually, it catches more fish. Like there's so many little baits out there. You know, yeah. so many little small white mullet and, and little tiny pinfish and whatnot. Something a little bit bigger, just an easy, simple, you know, one one bite meal for those fish is is pretty key. Like a lot of times when you catch a flounder or a redfish or a trout and he throws up a bait, it's a pretty big bait. I mean, if you think about it, usually it's usually not small little mullet and not that they don't eat them. But I mean, if you're really hungry and, uh, you know, a tiny little cheeseburger is sitting there, and a big cheeseburger sitting there and someone was like, you know, these are going to leave you if you don't take one right now. I'd grab the big cheeseburger. If not, I'd yeah. sit there and eat both of them. But if I had to pick one, like on a, on a spur of the moment choice, I'd pick the big one, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I think, too, if you look at bait sizes, when you're hooking them, either jig head, Carolina rig, whatever, you're pinning them down to a certain area that those fish can get a hold of them. They can ambush that bigger prey easier versus when those bigger mullet are you know up swimming around and everything like they have to work a little harder for it so i think if you put it right there on their dinner plate where they can eat it they're a lot more apt to get it yeah definitely you know? definitely it's it, it's giving them that opportunity it's something swimming a little differently acting a little nervous that that they key in yeah. on and, and and usually smash it but uh, some other fish that you can use as bait that kind of get overlooked here in North Carolina. Spot. Spot's a great one. And yep. pinfish. Pinfish is like probably one of the most popular large baits for inshore fish and most other states. North Carolina, it's kind of looked down upon, but I was fishing with my buddy Elias off the beach the other day for flounder, and he was showing me how to trim the, the dorsal fin 
um, off of the pinfish to kind of get some of that, uh, you know, spikiness off the fish and, and kind of slim the profile down a little bit, slender, slender yeah. the fish out. Um, and he dropped that thing on the bottom and in like 30 seconds, nice flounder ate it. He pulled it off, but I mean, a definite flounder just smacked that pinfish. Um, yeah. so there, there's, there's not a bad bait to use. Like I, I used to always throw a pinfish back, but now I'm keeping on putting them in the live well. And I definitely like the pinfish around big structure more so than like creeks. I like fishing around docks, jetties, you know, artificial reefs off the beach. Uh, mullet is typically my go-to in the creeks or small spot or mud minnows or, or menhaden. But what if yeah. you, if someone, so you said mullet's king for you, like over menhaden? Yeah, I think it's just because it's easier for me to keep them alive in my live well. Yeah. And I can always go find a mullet. Yeah, definitely. But if I run across the school of Menhaden, you better bet the cast net's coming out and I'm going to get on them, you know. But I don't want to go spend an hour looking for Menhaden in the morning. Right, right. When I get mullet in 20 minutes and be done and on my way. Yeah. You know, so. Definitely. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, but then at the same time, yeah, the, some days the mullet are easier to catch, some days the Menhaden are easier to catch. It's, <laughs> That's it's true. funny. Um, uh-huh. Especially if you're like really trying to key in on a certain size of either one, it's like, golly. <laughs> I swear, you used to, man. Yeah. Little guys the next. Some summers in my marina, man, I can just walk to, down to my boat and stand on the back of it for 10 minutes and a school of menhaden swims by. There's usually like a couple schools of peanuts, a couple schools of big ones, and I can just sit there, you know, as my boat's lowering down and throw the net and get my bait for the day. But that has not been the case, really, even the past two years. So, Dang. yeah, it's been it's been a little frustrating having to get out there in the waterway and hunt it down, <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, <coughs> Michael, I got this little summer cold. Michael was talking about how I've shared fishing blue crabs, and and that's that's been a big game changer. Any of the the harder shell crabs like that. Fiddler crabs are great baits for for black drum will eat them, redfish will eat them. I've never caught a trout on one. I really don't think that the trout are looking for that type of meal. I'm not going to say they wouldn't eat it, but it never would be what I use to target trout or flounder. Um, But fiddler crabs are my last resort in the crab game because they're so, so, you know, (coughs) excuse me, brittle that the littlest sea bass, the littlest pinfish can rip it right off the hook. I mean, I've had great days fishing them. But you fish a mud crab or you fish, you know, a quartered blue crab and you've got a lot more time in the game you, you can leave that bait down there through a lot of little trash bites as opposed to the fiddler crab you drop it down and you feel like your fiddler crab's probably gone you just have to hope that the sheep's head is the first fish to interact with your bait yeah. and then when you have a mud crab or a blue crab you know you're buying a lot more time down there um where where you can where you can potentially you know hook that correct fish um crab is a great bait to fish on the near shore wrecks if you really want to target black drum sheep's head and redfish because the little trash fish you know on the mud crab and the blue crab they can't tear it up too quick as to where like a bait fish they can rip a bait fish off a hook really easily um and you don't get the shark bites you eliminate shark bites with crabs which is really nice so if you're in a really sharky area trying to catch a redfish um off the beach definitely try crab um i don't know about clam i don't know if sharks eat clam i haven't fished clam as much as you have have you had much interaction with sharks with, when fishing clam? No, I really just use the clam during the winter. Gotcha. Um, when I'm targeting like docks and stuff, looking for schools of drum and black, you know, red drum and black drum. Yeah. That's kind of like 
you know, something if I find a couple during the day, I'll grab them and, you know, put them on the hook and I always catch something on them. Yeah, definitely. So, but I've never really tried them off the beach. That'd be something to do. Maybe this winter. Yeah, definitely. But, I've heard those big black drum. You put a whole clam on there, they'll eat it. Yeah. Eat it right up. It's uh, one of the weirdest things I've caught them on. And I, I mean, it makes sense, but I, I was, uh, I had a trout fishing trip this past winter. It was like December. And actually, I don't think we ended up catching the fish that day on this, but we caught them. We were on a flat looking for redfish. They had been in there. We didn't see any redfish. I looked to the left. I'm like, what the heck is that thing? And it was a big octopus. At, oh, and at like a, it was like a foot of water on this flat. It was freezing cold, and there's this octopus swimming across it. An octopus like gets real scared and like sits on the bottom. And I was like, reel your jig head to your rod tip. And he reeled his jig head to his rod tip. I was like, stick it down there and just snag him. We snagged him, yeah. kept it. They took it home and ate it because octopus. Every time I catch octopus, like on the jetty or near shore wreck, I keep it. I think they're delicious. Um, but we tried to use a little octopus as bait on a school of redfish where we knew where they were and no no dice really. But um, if they eat squid. I'm sure they eat octopus. Oh, yeah. It's not quite as stinky as other baits, but it's definitely a meal. It's definitely a meal. Well, let's talk. Let's kind of transition uh, into how we would rig these different baits. Just go through two yeah. or three of, like, your, your favorite ways to rig a live bait um, for redfish. Okay. Um, probably when it comes to, you know, mullet, I'm just using either a circle hook or jig head and running it through there right in front of their eyeballs kind of in that clear spot on the end of their nose uh-huh. that way i'm not really hitting their brain i'm not messing with their eyes or anything but i'm still in that hard part of their skull okay um that's the number one way of doing it um and then men hating i'm doing the same thing and i'm a lot of times with the men hating i'll even turn the hook sideways kind of like you're bridling the bait and run it through their nose um that way the only thing that i hate with men hating fishing them that way they stay alive longer, but they come off a lot easier. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if I'm fishing dead men Hayden, I'll just run it through the nose like normal. But, um, or if it's kind of on its last leg, you know, go through the nose. But, um, and then let's see. If, like today, actually, and I noticed this last weekend when I was fishing for flounder, I had a bunch of hits and I kept missing the fish. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? So I actually switched and started tail hooking everything and started catching more fish. I don't know if it was the way that the bait was going through the current or just the way, like the places I was fishing, the fish were positioned differently. So they were eating it from a different angle to where they were grabbing it at the back. Yeah. And, you know, not getting the hook or what, because a lot of fish will eat it head on, eat a bait head on. So, you know, I don't know, but... Um, definitely I'll switch back and forth between, you know, nose hooking them versus tail hooking them. It just yeah. kind of depends on the day and what I'm doing. Definitely. So, and with, you know, <clears throat> we were talking about this earlier on the first one, like I don't tail hook anything in super heavy current. Yeah. And that was something that you brought up earlier. So, you know, that's just something depending on the situation and where you're at, you kind of have to pick and choose how you want to rig your bait too. Definitely. So it, it's, uh, Definitely key to not tail hook and, and heavy current just for that, that simple reason of drowning your bait. You know, if, if yeah. that, if you're, you're fishing stationary and heavy current, I mean, if you're drifting, you can tail hook, but if you're sitting stationary right. where your weight's on the bottom, holding your bait in place, you're going to drown that bait eventually. Like maybe at first he can kind of fight it, but as he gets tired, he's going to swing around down 
current and he's going to get drowned real real quickly. As to where, you know, you're pretty much trolling him off that weight during, uh, you know, while it's nose hooked and and keeping that bait, you know, getting fresh water through its gills and everything or salt water through its gills. Um, But, yeah, I think that's that's pretty clutch. Are you, uh, when you're fishing crab or anything like that, are you Carolina rigging it for the most part? Yeah. Um, I mean, if I fish crab in a creek or something where I'm, like, targeting – a certain area where I know like there's redfish or black drum or something then I'll put it on a jig head just because I like the sensitivity of being directly connected to the hook yeah but you know for everything else yeah Carolina rigging for sure so just being able to chunk and let it sit yeah another great rig to use is like the bottom sweeper jig if you're fishing a crab and on structure in deep water or up in a creek bottom sweeper jig um the first flight uh, sheep's head jigs or whatever they're called and then the jailbait's another good crab option but the jailbait is really it's by eye strike it's really just designed for fiddler crabs um, so if you are fishing fiddler crabs it's it, whatever eats that fiddler crab you will hook that's that's the ticket I mean you cannot steal a crab off of that rig it's amazing um, but, but like I said I don't fish fiddlers that much and so I, don't, I fish that when I'm fishing fiddler crabs but I'm typically on like a bottom sweeper or typically bottom bottom sleeper jig fishing crabs, if not a Carolina rig. Um, yeah. So, but um, well, cool. I think we've kind of touched everything on redfish there. Maybe we can transition to um, let's talk flounder first. I think that'll be the the quickest. Yeah, that'll be that'll be the the, the closest relation. I feel. What do you feel like eats more of the similar baits? A, a flounder and a redfish, or a trout and a redfish? Um. I don't know. Trout and redfish, they have that hunting mentality versus like flounder, more of an ambush predator. Right. But as far as baits go. I feel like maybe trout and flounder are the most alike as far as what they eat. Yeah. Yeah. So. Redfish um, are a little more diverse. They eat a little bit more stuff. Yeah. Like crabs and stuff, you know, I'm doing a little bit more directly related to drum versus flounder and trout. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, let's talk trout then. Let, let go. Give me some of your favorite baits to fish for trout around, that, around here. Trout, I love menhaden. Yeah, menhaden are really really good and mullet. Um, most of the time, by the time like the really good fall trout bite starts to show up, the menhaden are starting to kind of go away. So it's kind of hard to find menhaden a lot of days. So I'm fishing mullet most of the time. But I feel like when I have really good days. Of trout fishing, it's when I can get some good menhaden. Yeah, definitely. So definitely, there's been uh, my my buddy sent me some really cool videos of him fishing live mullet on just light lined, like knowing where the trout are in a creek. This is up in the Pamlico Sound, um, dead of winter, pitching live mullet. He trims the tail a certain way that makes the mullet swim on the surface, and so it just stays okay. on the surface swimming around. And he's got these videos of these big trout just coming up and. <laughs> Dang. sucking them down it's crazy that's awesome um but yeah m- mullet menhaden's great shrimp another great bait um yep. th- the cool thing about this time of year is if you know where quality trout are or mm-hmm. where they should be and you can go catch some shrimp you can smack them but the, the the same downfall that you have with shrimp you know a lot of the warmer months is the trash fish and so that's what kind of yep. brings me back to mullet um I really stay away. One thing we forgot to talk about is mud minnows, but I kind of stay away from mud minnows once I can get my hands on mullet and menhaden. 
I just feel yeah. like they've got a lot more action, a lot more flash on the end of the line. Um, I get more bites on them. But do you uh, do you fish shrimp much? Uh, live shrimp in the winter, or anything like that for trout? Not really. <clears throat> um, typically, I just don't. I don't put the time into it. Right. So maybe like in the fall, like early fall, when the trout like just are starting to kick on, and it's kind of one of those days where a live shrimp could be a game changer then I'll go take the time and either buy them or go catch them. But, yeah. you know, for the most part, I'm not that they're not a good bait or anything. I'm just not spending the money or the time to go get them. Yeah. The cool thing about, you know, those cooler months when bait's harder to find, when it's cool outside, it, you can keep menhaden alive for so long. I mean, not menhaden, yeah. sorry, mud minnows alive for so long. So you yep. can either catch them or buy them. But in my garage, I got a tank in there, like a little – from tractor supply and an aerator and it'll almost look like a, a you know a little fish factory in the winter time when i am fishing those menhaden um for the trout heart or not i keep calling them menhaden the mud minnows <laughs> <clears throat> sorry about my my throat clearing here um it's it you know it having those on demand is very nice not having to go try to catch bait and what you can do is run traps for those mud minnows, you can run them year round. I mean, you want to keep them where it's going to be pretty shallow at dead low tide. Um, but those mud minnows are great baits, especially in the winter when there's very little bait around. Like this time of year, a mud minnow just kind of disappears in the water pretty easily. But in the winter when it's crystal clear and there's very little bait, a little dark brown bait fish flipping around is, yes. is very noticeable. It's a trout, flounder, and redfish. Um, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about how you catch bait, Mike. We kind of forgot about this. I think we talked about it on our first recording that got deleted. Uh, but, yeah. but uh, what kind of net do you throw? Um, so running flat skiff, which you've got your Maverick, but you've also got the big Jones brothers. Just being in a you know in a flat skiff, I like to carry one net. Yeah. Um, so I'll carry a seven foot, um, either heavy or extra heavy. I think right now I probably just have the heavy, um, with a three eighths mesh, and that is big enough that if I get on a school of Menhaden or something, I can get a big enough spread to get some Menhaden. Um, but it's also a small enough mesh that early in the year when the mullet and stuff are small, I, I'm still able to catch those guys. So, um, that's typically, that's, that's what I'm sticking with. So yeah, definitely. It's nice to have those heavier, the smaller, you know, diameter is nice. And but with that extra weight, I mean, I've got an offshore net. I don't throw it much. I'm usually trying to find my bait inshore. We just don't. If we were down, if I was down in the river, like off Oak Island and whatnot, a lot yeah. of times there's there's bait in the ocean, but still it's shallower down there. We just don't often have the bait off the beach up here, like on a regular basis. It's not where I'm like, all right, that's where I'm going to catch bait. You know, it's it's kind of the yeah. last resort if I can't find it anywhere else. Um, mm -hmm. and I've, I throw a seven foot heavy too. Now that was my newest net that I got this year and. I really or extra heavy, I think is what it's called, but I, I really really like that net. Um, and the wider the mesh size, the quicker it sinks as well. So you're not going to catch the smaller baits, but like me and Mike have been saying, like a larger bait oftentimes is the better choice. Um, if for the only reason, it's just going to be seen easier by the fish. You know, but even yeah. if the fish doesn't eat, whether I'm throwing an artificial or a live bait, like if the fish doesn't eat it, I at least want like the confidence in my head that like, all right, if there was a fish in that zone, he at least saw what I was throwing. You know what I mean? Right. So that's how I think. Some people are real finessey and want to make like a thousand casts on a bank. I want to make like ten casts on a bank with something that they're gonna see. Yeah, 
So, and I mean, that's even like going back to our founder podcast from a few weeks ago. Like, I'm look, I'm almost like a bass fisherman. Like, I'm picking apart high percentage areas. Right. You know, a point, a transition, grass change, something that's going to key to have a fish holding. Definitely. Not Definitely. to say that you can't catch them anywhere else, but like you said, I want that big bait. I want to be able to put it right there, know that he saw it, and move on and be able to cover the water. Right. So. Yeah, I think, you know, that comes with time of being able to fish like that, like having the confidence to move through an area and just make those key casts. Uh, but yeah. I think overall it, it will make you a more productive fisherman. You know, I see a lot of people sitting in spots, whether it be in the river, whether it be around Wrightsville Beach, Topsail Beach, figure eight, you know, sitting in an area that they've caught fish in before and just beating it up and up and up and, and moving through an area. I mean... If you if you're yeah. if you're hitting you know a lot of redfish in an area or a lot of trout in an area, it's worth staying. But I mean, don't wait in a spot too long. Whether you're bait fishing or throwing artificials, I mean, unless you know without you know a shadow of a doubt that at this tide, it's going to fire yeah. off in here. Keep moving. Like if you throw a bait in an area, and there's a fish in there, it should be eaten within you know 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, and, and I wouldn't say 30 seconds how long you need to sit somewhere, but give each spot 15 minutes when you're soaking bait and move. 10 minutes, 12 minutes, and move and keep moving until you find a more productive area. Especially right now, like focusing on flounder. It's like, yeah, flounder move around, but they're not moving around like redfish are. You know, and They'll come to a bait and they'll slowly work their way into a bait, but... Um, you know, you're more productive to hit an area, move, you know, 50 yards, hit the next corner, move 75 yards to the next corner of the creek, hit the next point, the next oyster point, and, you know, the next creek mouth. Like, just keep moving and find those those fish. I mean, my best days are typically when I'm covering a lot of water, whether that's yep. with redfish. Maybe not so much with trout. Sometimes you get on that little honey bucket of trout and you can – you're better <laughs> off to just sit there and work through them, you know, figure out what they yeah. want to eat. But with flounder and redfish, like, just covering water is the ticket, at least inshore, yep. at least inshore. Yep. So um, – That's so, a good side. Sorry, that was quite a quite a <laughs> rant there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we were talking trout bait. I, I think really, yeah, menhaden, mullet, shrimp. Um, spot like a big spot could be a really good trout bait as well. Pinfish, um, I've seen some big freaking trout caught in Florida on pinfish. I'm like, you know, I just lose confidence sometimes when I hook a pinfish on and pitch it out there because to me it's just like this little trash fish. But I don't know, you put it in the right scenario where it doesn't belong and it'll probably get munched by a trout. Have you have you done much trout fishing with pinfish? Not with pinfish. Um, I mean, most of the time when I'm getting pinfish, I'm headed off the beach. Yeah. Like five miles plus you know that's my bottom bay for the day yeah um but that's something i definitely want to start doing is we're starting to get those bigger pinfish in that two three four inch range right now where you're getting them in the cast net pretty consistently yeah so i want to kind of start focusing in on that and giving them a shot for sure yeah it's like every cast net throw you're usually getting like one pinfish bait so yeah i mean they're not schooled up thank god they're not schooled up like mullet are but um, they are great baits. So don't, don't throw your random weird fish back. Go throw them in a live wall and try soaking them. Um, you know, sometimes you'll be surprised what will key in on that bait. Something a little bit different. Um, yeah. The shrimp, like I was saying earlier, great bait all year. But in the warmer months, it can be so painful to fish those baits. But I was fishing a deep water piece of structure. I'm not going to name it because it's very well known. Uh, but not many people fish it. A deep water piece of structure, 
um, for black drum was not having any luck. I was fishing blue crab, um, quarter to blue crab. And I, I had thrown the cast on a bunch of mud minnows in a creek and caught a bunch of nice big shrimp the other day. And I was in 42, 43 feet of water. And I had a kid and a dad. We were okay. We caught a few small black drum. Um, and then I was like, let's put some shrimp on there. We'll probably catch some croakers or something. So I was putting a live shrimp on a Carolina rig with an ounce, dropping it down 40 feet and just getting thumped by trout immediately. And there was trout in the middle of this deep water, you know, eating these live shrimp in the middle of the summer. So, you know, think outside the box. You've got good baits. Go yeah. try something different like that. Try a big piece of structure, you know, see what you can do. And we were, I was catching some croaker, but I was catching more black drum and trout on the shrimp out there than I was catching, you know, any trash fish. So, and the croaker were big golden suckers too. They, they were like some big old oh, nice. croaker. Um, they didn't want to keep them and eat them, but I was like, these are good. They're good eating. You know, don't hate on the croaker. Um, well, cool. Let's move into flounder. I think this is everybody's favorite topic right now. It looks like everybody in the whole freaking North Carolina is mad at a flounder right now. So, um, tell me what your go-to flounder bait is. Um, so we're one weekend to the season today and wow, it seems like it's done... been in for like th- three months. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in that entire week, I found one school in Menhaden and wasn't able to pick any up. So all I've done is switch mullet and all my flounder have come off of that. Yeah. But in years past, when I've been able to get some Menhaden, I'm not afraid to get the big boys, you know, six, seven, eight inch Menhaden and put them down on Carolina rigs for flounder because they will eat it. Oh yeah. So that that's probably that, that's just my go-to for like everything in short. It seems like it's mullet and Menhaden. Yeah. But there's definitely definitely a lot more like spot and that kind of stuff that are a little more off the wall that you're not always catching that I think could either be just as good if not better than mullet Menhaden just because it's something that they're not getting a shot to ambush all the time and right, eat on. Right. So I think those could be better baits. It's just I don't always get a bunch of them to give them a good shot. You gotcha. Know? Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. That that's the ticket is like going and catching those pinfish and spots takes time. Like, but yeah. but what what you can do is like you know go catch you try to get you set a number. I'm gonna get ten pinfish, then I'm gonna go throw on some mullet, you know, and, and have yeah. some mullet and. Um, when you're in that right area, drop down those bigger, you know, a little more out of the box baits and uh, outside the box baits, not out of the box. <laughs> out of the box sounds like it's a new lure that you just opened. But uh, drop those down and see what happens because it, it's it, it's surprising how fish will key in on those, you know, those larger profile, those different baits. And, um, you know, I think those fish are competitive spots and, and trout and, and uh, pinfish, you know, they're they're all kind of in the similar areas inshore and and i think you know the trout will probably be frustrated and boxing those other fish out and uh, i've heard you know some really big fish come on those and i've hooked some some quality flounder trout redfish on those so it's always something i want to do more of but it's hard to do on a guide trip like it's i just don't have the spots to and the time to burn to go catch the pinfish in the spot and um so and plus it's hard to catch a spot around here right now yeah um have you had any luck um, fishing anything other than mullet and menhaden for trout as far as live and, and uh, shrimp as far as flounder go? Um, 
Not really. I mean, that's just that's kind of always my go-to. Yeah. I know a lot of guys, you know, especially if they go out off the beach, near shore wrecks, even to the jetty, they're fishing squid a lot of times, um, big squid strips mm-hmm. in like seven, eight inches long. And mainly, though, the reason for that length is just to give it enough time that as it gets picked apart by everything else down there, that, you know, there's still bait for whenever that flounder comes in. But um, it's just not something I do a whole lot of. Yeah, I've heard flounder belly, too. I've never fished it. But like a lot of the Chesapeake Bay boys and the, and the you know, yep. Virginia Beach guys, they, they fish those or they'll take a belly strip and kind of fish that on a bucktail jig and. Or on a Carolina rig, even I've heard in those flounder will eat it, which to me I would have no confidence. I guess it once a lot of baits, it's like they're not going to eat this, and then they eat it, and you're like, oh, all right, this works. Yeah. So um, that's that's how I was with the pinfish, man. It was so hard for me to like fish a pinfish, and then you get one bite, and then you get a second bite, and you're like, oh wow, they do eat these. So I think that's pretty clutch. Um, how do you like to rig your live baits when you're flounder fishing? I know we've talked um, about this in the last podcast, but for anybody that's keyed in just on this one. Um, what do you like to do? Well, like I was saying earlier, like when I'm jig head fishing, a lot of times I'm nose hooking, but I'm kind of paying attention to what, how the fish are eating my bait and I'll change between the two and location wise, you know, change between nose hooking them and tail hooking them. Yeah. Um, Carolina rig or the reverse Carolina rig, like we were talking about. The reverse Carolina rig, you definitely have to nose hook with um, just because you're holding that bait so straight and there's not a whole lot of room for that bait to move around um, like you do with a Carolina rig. Right. Um, but with a Carolina rig, if the current's right, you know, real light or something like that, I'm definitely, I like to tell hook baits just because I feel like they stay alive a little longer for flounder. Um, and when they kind of swallow it, the way they position it, I don't know if it makes a huge difference but you know it always seems to last a little longer for me definitely definitely so yeah it's uh it's it's funny man there's so many ways to rig all these different baits and to fish these different baits and they can all be effective uh it's just learning you know what you need to do in your scenarios and so hopefully this podcast as people listen is kind of opening up you know ideas and um opening up doors to be like oh this is what i need to do in this scenario i heard him talking about this i haven't tried that you know, it's, we don't have all the answers, but as we, you know, collaborate and talk about all these different types of fishing, um, you know, new things pop up in my head all the time on this podcast of like, oh, I'm going to try that in, in this, this scenario. So um, hopefully that's helping out. One thing that, that we're just around the corner from is, you know, and it's really already here, but uh, up north of us and a few big fish are being caught here, but bull redfish, you know, like big old drum. Uh, it's that time yep. of year here in North Carolina and, and really through the end of October, November, we can catch them. Um, and I think it's important to talk about before we wrap this thing up, kind of some baits that are effective for that and how to rig those baits. And and I'll go through my, my favorite first and I'll let Michael jump on it. But, um, we talked about the crab, the blue quartered blue crab. Um, and I'll do a video on the YouTube channel, um, of how to quarter a blue crab and fish it because it's kind of hard to explain without seeing it, like how to, you know, do the different parts of the shell. So I'll do a video of that. Um, but but you, there's probably already something on YouTube if you're you know eager to go try it out, but don't check it out. Wait and watch mine. I'm just kidding. You can go you can go check it out. Uh, quartered blue crab, big mud crabs uh, can be very productive. Smaller blue crabs. I don't know if it's illegal to fish smaller blue crabs here. Um, you know there's a there's a keeper size of blue crab that you're allowed to fish. Uh, yeah. So I know as long as it's not a female, 
like definitely make sure you're not fishing females yeah. but as far as the jimmies go yeah i'm not 100 percent sure on that one gotcha yeah it's uh that, that's something that i probably should know before i say hey go fish smaller blue crabs for for fish but i know like down in the keys and whatnot you can go buy them for permit and um or maybe yeah. you're not buying the small blue crabs maybe you're buying those old calico crabs on there i can't even remember um but quarter blue crab mud crabs that's very very productive um big manhaden spots yeah. um you know big mullet definitely don't go little on your baits for those fish like they'll eat anything but you know they're just like big bulldogs cruising around on there they're just looking for a big bite a big meal um we shared i shared this earlier i don't think i shared it on this i shared it on the other podcast that got deleted so not, that's why we're recording this one um you know that time of year you're doing we're starting to do a lot of trout fishing um and what is you know the most common trash fish that you catch while trout fishing what do you think it is Mike? lizard fish lizard fish so throw those lizard fish in the box and cut them up and fish that chunk for for those redfish man they love it they eat the mess out of it so one thing i do like to have always and i think it's productive in any bait fishing for any type of fish is a variety of bait so if you can you know if you're on a crunch and you throw a good throw on some mullet and you have a bunch of mullet you're crunched on time just fish the mullet but if you've got time to get some mullet and get a couple menhaden get some spots get a couple pinfish like Take a couple baits. I, you know, a lot of the guys that are really good at bait fishing are fishing different types of bait in different scenarios each day, and they're ca- that's how they're catching lots of fish. Uh, you know, it's yep. it's easy to just get complacent and just go catch the little mullet and go sit in the creek that you always catch fish in, um, and you know, go catch your one or two redfish and one flounder. But but try some different stuff and move around and try some different baits and rig them different ways, and 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 you'll really start to learn a lot about you know how these different fish and bait fish interact with these different game fish, you know, in the water. So, I don't know if we missed anything, Michael. Have we kind of covered the bases? Um, I think we've kind of covered the bases. Yeah. I don't think me unless there's anything you do differently, like whenever you cut up and do like chunk baits for anything. I mean, I know like with lizard fish, you know, I just kind of cut them into half thirds, whatever. Yeah, depends on the and size. I mean, sometimes you get a big one, you got to cut it. You can fish like eight baits out of it. But. Yeah. But, like, menhaden and stuff, like, typically a lot of times I cut the head off, I just kind of pitch it over the side as chum, you know, yeah. and get, like, that meaty section down, you know, behind the gill plate to right around the tail area. For sure. Um, you know, and even the same with, like, big mullet. Um, but I'll leave, I'll keep the head on the big mullet, like the big hard head mullets and striped mullets. Yeah. You know, I'll fish, like, a, the head and the little bit of area behind them just because the head's so easy to get it hooked through and it stays on there so well. Definitely. Um, but you know, I don't know if you got anything different that you do cutting up bait or anything. No, not really. I think one thing to think about is your hook size. And, and when I'm bait fishing, I, I one, I am yeah. thinking about like the size fish I'm going to hook, but more so than anything, I'm thinking about, you know, the accessibility for the mouth to get around the hook. Um, like if it's a really big mullet, I'm not going to fish a small circle hook. Uh, cause I'm afraid, you know, as that, you know, that fish eats a bait, and then as it pulls out, the, the size of that, you know, let's say mullet keeps the mouth from being able to really clamp around that hook. And so I'll jump my size up. I couldn't really tell you, hey, this is the size hook I fish for, you know, this type of fish or with this bait. It's just you, you kind of eye it and, and you want that, that hook to just be exposed enough that you feel confident the fish is going to gonna get it if he eats that bait. Um, but that's really all I can think of. Um, you know, I'm, if I'm bait fishing, I'm either fishing a float rig 
or really a Carolina rig or, or maybe like a chicken rig if I'm offshore, like a grouper rig. But inshore, it's really just like a Carolina rig. Um, sometimes I'll just fish like a split shot just above a circle hook if I'm pitching, you know, really shallow water to fish. But um, that's more so like wintertime spooky spooky redfish that won't eat a jig. I'm, I'm still trying to sight fish them, but I, yeah. I need that live bait. So really just a Carolina rig and a, and a float rig, a slip float or, a, you know, a clamp float. Um, is what I'm going with and, and those are all you know maybe one one day we'll do just a, a rig podcast where we're just talking about all these different types of rigs we can have them tied up and show um, you know the, the viewers of the video style podcast uh, what they look like but really try to explain them well um, I don't know if that'd be more of a video just an overall video we should do but um, I think we've kind of touched it all I mean if there's if there's any other baits that y'all y'all like and want us to talk about definitely drop them in the comments on YouTube or, or on the podcast um but I hope that opens y'all's eyes a little bit. Fish big baits, you know, fish different baits, and uh, and just go freaking fishing. <laughs> Heck yeah. So, well, is there anything you want to leave them with, Mike? Um, no, nah, I think you I think you pretty much covered it right there at the end. There we go. That was the. I'm getting so good at this. Getting so good so. at this. <laughs> go check out Intercoastal Angler if you need tackle. <laughs> they're they're uh I'm, i've always got one of their shirts on they've got so many walking billboards around this town it's crazy oh yeah <laughs> ready for some of your new shirts to come in again oh i got some in i'll have to get some to you i've got some gillnets kill okay. shirts so oh sweet yeah they're pretty I want cool the, uh i want the other i want the tarpon one. Oh, i need to order some more of those i'm out of those now yeah but. Well, cool, guys. Well, thank you all so much for, for checking out another podcast. Uh, we'd love doing this for you all, and we're going to keep doing it as long as we're living. So um, keep checking us out. Uh, definitely share us with your friends. If you do like this podcast a lot, tell somebody about it. We're, we're trying to, um, and I'm trying to really grow this into something that, that can be you know part of, you know maybe pull back from guiding a little bit and really invest in the, the this type of content creation, outdoor content creation, um, would be a huge goal of mine and so thank y'all so much for your support it's been amazing to see um, the growth and to see the support of all y'all and, and i just it's it really encourages me to continue to do this um and i will continue to do this so thanks for checking this one out and i will see y'all and talk to y'all in the next podcast later <laughs>